All right, thank you, kids team. Uh, it's fun uh, to see that uh, laugh a little bit. Thank you. It's Palm Sunday, and guess what? Last night, if you were watching the Mavericks, they won. And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, we can't say it was entirely unexpected, but it was, I believe, their first ever NCAA tournament win, right? Yep, okay. So that's exciting. Uh, this past week, I uh, took our van into the uh, auto uh, mechanic, and you know, I was planning to just get an oil change. Came out with brand two. Well, I came out with the oil change plus two brand new tires, which is ironic because the mechanic, as I came in, says, "Treads look good." But there was a bulge on uh, one of the tires, and of course you can't replace one tire because you know the car starts walking, I guess. So you gotta get two tires. So fortunately the one was under warranty, we got to pay for the other one. On the one hand, it wasn't what I expected. On the other hand, I feel like anytime you take your car into the mechanic, it's sort of what you expect, right? You're gonna get something. Well, I also read an article this week uh, that said, hey, America's probably through the worst of the pandemic. Yay! <laughs> but we're still all wondering when exactly that return to normal is going to uh, be. And um, I also saw that, you know, in Minnesota, we're upping our vaccine uh, distribution from 150,000 to 350,000. And everybody's sort of thinking, you know, the general tenor seems to be that, hey, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel but we still have no idea when that's actually, when we're actually going to get outside uh, that tunnel. So I don't know about you, but one of the ways that I manage my expectations and I like to manage my expectations is that I sort of think about all the possibilities. I was trained to think about all the possibilities because as a computer scientist, you have to account for every possible interaction that a person will use on a computer. So I think about absolutely everything that could possibly happen, and then I, then I adjust based on what I think might happen, and I try to like, mitigate the problems, and I try to get all of the systems and functions and habits in my life working in such a way that it's headed towards my desired future. So I spend a lot of time doing that. And you know, <clears throat> early on in COVID, I got an email uh, or I read an article from a church leader that said, you know, the church probably is about three to five years away from the pre-pandemic church world. And I was like, huh, okay, all right. So I sort of reset my expectations, and then I said, okay, here we go. We're going to go forward. We're going to see if we can make it better than three to five years. That's, that's sort of, you know, if we can get back to pre-pandemic better than three, then we're winning. So that's, you know, that's sort of how I deal with my expectations. As you reflect back on your year, what were your expectations? And then how did you manage your expectations? What did you do as we went into this year-long process, as we've been living in a pandemic world, what did you do to manage your expectations? Well, in today's passage, we're going to look at the expectations of the people of Israel. And we're going to look at what that can teach us about our own expectations. So in John chapter 12, if you want to join us, we're going to be reading 
the Palm Sunday story, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. It's also on the screen here in the room and hopefully on your device at home as well. It says this, The next day the crowd, the great crowd that had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now the context here is that this crowd of people had just seen Lazarus raised from the dead. Or they had heard about it. And Passover is this Jewish festival that they're celebrating the exodus from their slavery in Egypt. So they're excited. There's tons of people coming to to Jerusalem to celebrate this. And it says, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now Jesus found a a young donkey and sat on it as we saw in the video. Uh, And as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So what's interesting about this is Israel's expectations. In verse 17, uh, later on, we learn that there are many in the crowd, and we have people who are either seeing Lazarus raised from the dead, or they've heard about it. And as Jesus is coming into the capital city, they are really excited, beyond excited. They're so excited that they begin to wave palm branches, which had sort of become this nationalistic symbol for the Judea, uh, for the Israelites. It was sort of this symbol of national pride. And they were often waved to honor victorious, particularly military people. And they're shouting these words, Hosanna, which is the sheer joy that they can have. And then you see these words, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king of Israel. And I think, I imagine that they are thinking that this is the long-awaited Messiah. Messiah means savior. Israel had been under Roman rule for a long time. And they were looking for a political hero or a military hero that could overcome the Romans and restore Israel's leadership in the world, much like it was in the time of King David, who was one of the great kings of Israel. And if you look back at the Old Testament, there are promise after promise that this will happen. In fact, there's a promise that the king will come from the line of David. And lo and behold... Jesus is from the line of David. And then in verse 15, we see this quote of one of their prophets, that he will ride in on a donkey, which maybe is a little strange, but it fulfills another one of the prophecies. And so you can understand why they're excited. They're excited because Jesus is from the line of David. They've seen many miracles, including many of them had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. His teaching has authority, and it amazes people. And let's continue the story in verse 17. Now the crowd that was with them when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So what's happening is that they're excited and the the news is spreading wide and far. 
so much that the Pharisees are kind of getting a little worried. And this has been building up for some time. We can go back in the book of John. If you've been reading with us this Lenten season, you can see back in John 4, the woman experiences Jesus. And he go- she goes back to her village and she says, could this be the Messiah? They're asking the question. In John chapter 7, they actually proclaim, surely this is the Messiah. And in John chapter 11, the Pharisees, the same people that we see in this passage, say, what are we accomplishing? Here's this man performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And now we see them saying, the whole world has gone after him. So clearly we can see there's a buzz about this guy, Jesus. Everybody's talking about him. They're wondering about him. But we're also seeing different responses to who he is and what they're learning about him. And I wonder if it's not like some of the differences that we see in the Jewish sects of the day or the strands of Judaism. There's a historian named Flavius Josephus, and he writes about these four different strands of Judaism. So you have the zealots who were looking for a political or a military hero. And they're looking for the Messiah to make Israel a great nation, one that would usher in global peace. And so when they see this happening, they're thinking, this is it. This is the Messiah. He's bringing these things to us. This is good news. You have the Sadducees, another group also known as the Herodians. They're largely seeking social status and wealth. And they didn't really see evil in the world. So maybe they're kind of thinking, okay, this guy's riding in. Maybe he could provide more wealth and social status for us. Then you have the Essenes. They saw the world as complete evil and you had to resist it. You had to abstain from the world. They lived an ascetic life, which means that they tried to get away from all the evil in the world. And maybe the Messiah is their ticket out of this evil world. Let's get out of here so we can avoid all this evil. Then you have the Pharisees who were all about the law, which we see here. And they thought if we could get, just get everybody to live a perfect life, obey the law to the letter. In fact, they even added to the law so that they could help people to do it right. And maybe if we could do that, we could usher in the Messiah. Or maybe this Messiah guy could help us to do that. But the ways that they saw Jesus living, hanging out with sinners, and I mean, he just was not fitting the rules that they had. But in reality, Jesus didn't fit any of these expectations. And in fact, in John chapter, in in verse 16 in this passage, going backwards, it says, The disciples didn't even understand it. It says at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So I think the disciples were kind of caught up in all of the excitement that was happening, all of the pomp and circumstance that was happening on Palm Sunday. Some of them probably believed that Jesus was going to be the political military hero that the zealots were hoping for. And on Palm Sunday, it looked like it was going to happen. He was riding into the capital city on a donkey. 
which was maybe a little strange, but hey, the prophet told us about it, so it's okay. He's going to be a great military political hero. But then Jesus was arrested. Wait, this doesn't fit the plan. And then Friday, he died. And their minds were blowing up. This wasn't what we expected. This is, this is not what we had in mind, Jesus. And along with that death, also all of their expectations, all of their hopes died. And even though they knew Sunday was coming, they didn't understand it. See, Sunday is Resurrection Day, but they didn't understand that Resurrection Day was coming. Friday is the day that your dreams die. Saturday is the day where you wake up the next morning, your best dreams are dead, and you still have to live, not knowing how or why you're going to do it. See, the Christian story, and this is common, turns out there's a pattern in Scripture in the Old Testament, is a three-day story. There's multiple examples of this throughout the Old Testament. And there's this pattern. On day one, there's trouble. On day three, there's deliverance. And Easter is one of those three-day stories where Jesus dies on Friday. And on Sunday, on Resurrection Day, there's deliverance. But what happens with Saturday? What's happening on Saturday? Well, Saturday's that day that you don't know. You wonder, what's going to happen? You're confused, and certainly the disciples were too. And it's easy to lose sight. But see, Jesus had told them that he was going to die. He told them that he was going to raise again, but they did not understand it. They had different expectations. Probably a lot like the Jews that were around them during that day. And I wonder how often we too are like the disciples. We too are like the Jews. We can get caught up in a worldly view of Jesus instead of the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. If you think about it, and I built a table that hopefully we can get online and on the screen here. Sometimes we can be like the zealots. We're looking for a political hero in Jesus. We can be like the Sadducees. We're looking for comfort, this sense of blessing from Jesus. Or we can be like the Essenes where we're looking for this sense of purity and Jesus to help us to, to rid ourselves of the evil and to stay away from all uh, that is bad in the world. Or some of us can be like the Pharisees where we look to the law and we try to live everything right and good. If we can just do it all right, then maybe we will somehow make it to heaven. <clears throat> but the Jesus that we see in the Gospels doesn't fit any of these. So the Jesus in the Gospels that we see is a suffering servant, not a political hero. 
The Jesus that we see in the Gospels sacrificed and invites us into sacrificial life instead of comfort. And Jesus didn't avoid the evil in the world. He entered into it in the incarnation. Jesus came into the world, lived among the sinners, spent time with them, hung out with them. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, those who need him most. And the Pharisees look to the law, even add to the law, but Jesus offers grace. And so the question that I have for us today on this Palm Sunday is, what false images of Jesus have crept into your own thinking, into our thinking as a church, as a Christian community? In what ways do we fall into some of these same traps that the early Jews fell into as well? And then I want to invite you today to confess. Confess the ways in which you have made Jesus into your own image to meet your own expectations. Maybe one of these four, maybe you have a different way that you have crafted Jesus into an image. I don't know, but I want to encourage you today to confess that. Whatever it is, confess the false image of Jesus that you have made up in your mind to help you or to help your friends. And then I want you to know the good news. There's, the good news is that there's a way that you can be with Jesus on Saturday that you can't be with Jesus on Sunday or on Friday. Because on Friday, your dreams are dying. On Sunday, you have deliverance. But on Saturday, Jesus is your only hope. There's nothing else on Saturday. If you don't know that Sunday's coming, Jesus is your only hope. And as we are sitting here on Palm Sunday, with this Easter story that we're living in, the Christian story is an Easter three-day story. We have the death of Jesus. We have when Adam and Eve grabbed the fruit. Evil entered into the world. Trouble came into the world. And we know that someday, Scripture has told us that the second coming of Jesus is coming, and Jesus is going to establish his kingdom here on earth, and all the things that Jesus wants to happen on earth are going to happen. But until then, we live in the in-between. We live between Friday and Sunday. It's Saturday. And so I want to invite you to live into Saturday. What can you do on Saturday? You can wait on the Lord. And we're not talking about a passivity or an inactive waiting. We're talking about an active waiting on the Lord. And the words that come to mind for me in terms of our waiting are faith and hope. Faith is this, looking to God and trusting him for everything. When we're in Saturday, we can trust in God. We can have faith. And hope is the second part of that. And they're intricately connected. 
Hope is looking to the future and trusting God for it. When it's Saturday, we can join in faith and hope. We can actively live those things out. We can be a part of bringing justice. We can be a part of bringing good news to others. That's what the Easter story is about, that Jesus has overcome. But right now, we're living in Saturday. So I want to encourage you, this week, I'm not, I don't have a big to-do list for you. It's Holy Week. What I want you to do is simply this. Think about Jesus. Reflect on Jesus this week. Think about who Jesus was in the gospel. Read the story again if you need to. Be reminded of who Jesus really is, was. You can confess your own images as you read through and you're reminded. We all need to do that from time to time. We concoct different images of Jesus. Be with Jesus this week. Think about all of the things that you do in your world. How could Jesus be a part of that? If you've never been with Jesus, or you don't know how to be with Jesus, we would love to help you. In fact, we even have uh, a text message system set up where you can come chat with us. You can text the word faith to our cell phone number, 507-204-3456. We'll get it on the screen for you as well. And you can let us know that you need some help being with Jesus. We would love to help you with that. Folks, we're living in a pandemic world. It's the reality that we live in. It's sort of like living in Saturday. We still have to wear masks. We still have to socially distance. We have to do all of these different things. We're clearly living in Saturday. But friends, Sunday is coming. But until that day comes, I want to encourage you to put your faith and your hope in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can be reminded on Palm Sunday that you entered into this world. You came into the brokenness of the world. You lived among us, that you love us, that you loved us enough because we know the story that you went to the cross for us and that you rose again. We look forward to Easter, but until then, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to be a part of your mission here on earth, bringing your kingdom in as many ways as we can. We pray these things in your good and holy name. Amen.